Uh, this is a warning to those listeners who may be disturbed by topics of sexual assault, grooming, cults, and pedophilia. We do not recommend this for younger listeners. However, we do recommend an age-appropriate discussion for younger people as it is all very important to their safety and well-being. There will be links on our Tumblr page with sources for the episode, which include information on warning signs that a child is being abused. Imagine a world where you're the victim of a heinous crime. Before and after that crime, the perpetrator, even your friends and family, claim that the crime was never actually a crime because of your role in it. You've been stabbed? Well, why were you in that neighborhood alone? You've been robbed? Why did you give that friend a key? In the world of victim blaming, you constantly ask yourself if you could have done more to prevent it. Could you have acted differently? The signpost in the rearview mirror welcomes you to the gray area. <laughs> Welcome to Everyday Lies, a show that is today about a more dangerous deception than we've covered before. A cheesy Twilight Zone parody was necessary to illustrate the absolute mindfuckery that we will be addressing. My guest today is Heather Weber from Under the Pendulum Podcast, and she's going to tell us a different kind of scary story. All right. Hello, everybody. I don't think I've ever really told this too much, but here we go. Yeah, thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, needs to needs to get out there. Needs to, needs to go away. I agree. So it was the early 2000s, and I was freshly 17 and still in high school. And my dad told me I needed to get a job and earn my own money. So I begrudgingly got a job at a chain restaurant as a busser. Now, at the time, I was in a long-term emotionally taxing, like, borderly, emotionally abusive relationship with a guy that was about four years older than me, and it was taking a toll on my self-esteem and self-worth, really. I was engaging in risky behaviors, drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, etc., behind his back, but I was afraid to break up with him. My reputation, my home life, my relationship, and school life were all crashing down on me at kind of all the same time. Um, I thought I had it under control, but I don't think I had ever been more vulnerable. And I think these assholes can sense that shit. It's like a fucking creepazoid superpower they have. Mm -hmm. Anyway, on my first day on the job, a man that worked at the restaurant also, who was, by the way, as old as I am now, uh, like late 30s, early 40s, um, he approached me and said that I had given him quite a shock when I walked through the door because I looked exactly like his ex and he thought for a moment that I was her. I thought it was kind of weird, but his demeanor and boldness were endearing somehow. Somehow. <laughs> we'll talk more about how that's such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize that this boldness was going to consume me for the coming months. He was persistent. If he was working the same shift as me, he would be sure to come up behind me and compliment me in a low voice, or he'd stare aggressively, lustfully at me from across the room, or he'd whisper something very inappropriate in my ear, or he'd block my path in the back of the house and silently look me up and down while shaking his head. Oh, I enjoyed the attention. And at first, it didn't seem like it was anything more than that, just, just overabundance of attention, until it started to break me down. I'd often catch myself thinking about all the little ways he'd make sure to get my attention, and it made me feel good about myself, and in turn, interested. But I was conflicted. 
I didn't want to be interested. He wasn't even remotely my type. He was old. I knew he was living with his longtime partner. I was simultaneously disgusted and infatuated. Really fucking confused. I was a little under a year from being 18, and I'm pretty sure he was counting the days. So eventually I started joining the rest of the staff in the back parking lot after work where we'd all smoke weed together in each other's cars and bullshit for a little while before going home for the evening. So I mostly sat in his car, and we listened to the Beatles and talked about all sorts of different topics. He'd always find a way to cut in and say something that made me extremely uncomfortable, and I had to sit in my hormone-addled confusion. Then one day, it led to kissing, then not long after to oral sex. That continued for months as things got more intense to the point that it was palpable, and everyone at the restaurant knew. I went home and cried about the situation pretty often, but was unable to stop for fear of disappointing him or fear of retaliation in the workplace. And there was still that little voice inside that told me I was enjoying it, even though I wasn't sure that I was. I'd sometimes drive from work to my boyfriend's house, still smelling his cologne on my skin, worrying if he'd smell it on me too. I'd cry there almost every day for reasons unrelated to this predicament, because of the state our relationship was in. I was in deep shit, and I didn't know which way was up or down. Well, after months of this physical shit going on, along with disgusted looks from co-workers and a whole lot of silent suffering, I told no one. My birthday was here. He wanted to do the damn thing. And I was extremely nervous, yet I wanted to get it over with. I thought, like, maybe things would cool down if I just had sex with him? Well, we drove across the street to a closed business's parking lot, and it lasted for one awkward, disgustingly aggressive minute in the front seat. Uh, front passenger seat of my car. I wasn't even fully put back together when he looked over and said, Now I have closure. I asked what he meant. He brought up his ex, the ex that I resembled, the one who got away in his mind, and the fact that they left on bad terms and that many things went unresolved. Apparently I was her stand-in for some fucked-up revenge scheme of his. That is what it had been about, partly. But I also think he saw something in me he could conquer something he could manipulate for the good of his own gratification. I was devastated by that comment, obviously, and drove him to his house holding back tears until he exited my car. I felt gross and lower than I had ever felt before. I wanted to take the last few months back. I wanted to walk up to his door and tell his girlfriend what he had just done. But after that, I was through. I gave him a ride a couple more times, but refused to engage in any sort of physical activity, even though he begged every fucking chance he was alone with me with his unrelenting persistence. But I quit that job soon after, and I never saw him again. And you know, it took me years to recognize what had actually happened. It was my shame and my deepest regret for so long. Now, with my age-tinted glasses, I understand that a teenager is a child, and I couldn't fathom as a 30-something pursuing a 17-year-old high schooler. He's a terrible, manipulative asshole. And all I can hope for is that he never got the chance to do that to some other vulnerable girl. And that's the story. Wow. I, like, kind of want to cry and kind of want to clap for you. <laughs> um, which, like, I don't know what is actually appropriate after that kind of story, but that's that is fucked up. Yeah. And it's really... It's it's really it's really cool. It's really beautiful that you've come full circle on it. And they're just yeah. like, wow. That was like 
you know, like shame I can't feel responsible for. Like you were a kid. And yeah. Yeah. And, and for so a long manipulated time. Yeah. By this. I, uh, I, like I said, I there's not many people who know about this at all. Like my husband knows about it, and I think maybe only a couple people, maybe our family members, but that's about it. You know, I guess the shame is still there a little bit, but I mean, why would I go around talking about this yeah. too? I mean, it's it's it was almost 20 years ago, which is fucking <laughs> mind fucking itself that it was <laughs> that long ago. But yeah. It's a, he's a horrible person. And, you know, months or a couple years after that, I still worked in the same chain, but in a different city. Um, A dude that I used to work with when that guy worked there, he came to our store for like a training thing. And he didn't really say much more to me than hi. And hey, did you know that he had a daughter? And that was all he had to say to me. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so this guy came up to you to like rub it in? No, the the he was a coworker of ours, and he just I I'm not really sure what the purpose of him telling me that was. Maybe because like everybody knew what was going on, like mm. with our kind of dynamic, that he thought I might be interested to know that tidbit of information. Wow, I'm not really sure. Maybe so, so you should call you. So you could call social services? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Because, like, yeah, that, that that that's a scary thought. That is a scary thought. Yeah. So yeah. I hope that he, he reflected upon that situation, maybe, and raised his daughter in somewhat of a decent way. God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Ugh. Poor thing. She only knew. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I hope for her sake she doesn't have to know, but I also kind of hope that he, a piano falls on him or yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know what good it would do, but, you know, he's just one of those fucking creeps. You one know? of those fucking creeps. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Um, well, I'm glad that it was just some asshole. Yeah. And... It didn't lead into, like, some type of cult or group. Right. Because especially since, you know, this took place in Florida, mm-hmm. near near an area with a lot of activity for, for like, sex trafficking. Yeah. Like, and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right in the hot spot. <laughs> so, like, in, in this area, I, I'm assuming, you didn't say where it was, but this was in Florida um, near St. Pete? Yeah, like the, the St. Pete area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's really close to is it the Church of Scientology. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not far away. Yeah. yeah, which is also a cult, and they also do a lot of things to teach members to break down people to bring in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Also working in that area was Epstein, so, like, very... Yeah, it's... it's high uh, stakes there. Could just be some asshole. Could be... Yeah. an asshole with a cult yeah and, and and like even one time we were parked in a parking lot somewhere it was like a business that was closed for the day I don't know we're up to no good obviously and the cops were called on us and they came and um, they asked us both to get out of the car and I was scared you know because we were doing yeah. like, very bad things and 
Um, all I could hear was them chuckling at him when he was explaining the situation and like patting him on the back. And I was still like underage at the time. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a different it's time, like, I guess. Hey, hey, good old boys. I think yeah. It is. I think they it was still like this. Yeah. I think that was really a moment where I was like, God, there's this is very, there's something really wrong here. This is, this isn't right. <laughs> God, that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking gops. Oh, it's my God. gross. I know. I know. Two of them. <laughs> mm. So one thing you kind of mentioned in the story was uh, like the attention. And I think that's a really important thing to bring up. Yeah. And like not to like it's not that you should like feel any sort of way about it, but just to to bring it up because it's a it's a tool that they use oh, yeah. on on their victims. Like so what I'm using to kind of talk about this in a broader spectrum are um, like some of the most famous examples right now of, of people who do this a lot and yeah. are now like we're in the public light or are in the public light and so their cases are kind of well documented because yeah. either one everyone's either out to you know make them out to be a, a victim themselves right. or everyone's trying to pin them so it's at least you can get uh, information which is, you know, for for the majority of of victims in the world, these people, uh, much like yourself, the like that person will probably never see justice or any sort of consequence. Any sort of consequences no. for what they're doing. No, and I mean these people. A lot of the time, they they're professionals. Like they they will... hone these skills yes. over years and yes. years. Yeah. And you're they not do. the only one. You're not the, you know, you're probably not even the two hundredth person they've tried tried their moves on, and no. that's how they make how they get better. And yep, about it. Yep. Um, the reason I brought up the attention was because um, in our in our society, we definitely teach women and girls that male attention is like the ultimate compliment, and that creates a lot of space for men to just come up to you. Yeah. And. Say whatever the hell they want to. Say whatever they want. And you're or just do. like, oh, oh, that's funny. Like, right? Yeah. And it's like usually you want to punch them in the fr- in the face or you're like terrified and want to leave. Yeah. I mean, I used to react that way where I was like, oh, men will be men when I was younger. You know, I was kind of like that. You know. Growing up in Looney Tunes, like kind of thought process. I don't know. Like just like it's it's fine for a guy to like really kind of grab you and like say anything he wants to you and it's just supposed to be oh shoot isn't he just a scoundrel isn't he just the dickens yeah Yeah. yep i i kind of grew up with that too yeah and i do remember i think i think it was the columbine shooting but one of the arguments about it was well they just should have been nicer to those kids and like oh yes uh uh, one, I don't remember if it was that one, but at one of them, there was like, you know, this girl wouldn't go out with him. It was part of the reason why he decided to shoot up the school. And she's like, no, no, these are never our fault. No. Somehow it's it's like somehow it can never, never be put on on the, the person who did it for some reason. Like we've always got to yeah. find this reason why. 
Right. There's got to be. They're not that bad. I don't know why we do this. I really don't. I don't either. It's really fucking. It's sick. Like a lot of it has to do with, you know, race issues in this country for sure. But at a certain point, do you not see the pattern? I know. Is everybody just completely blind to that? Yeah, they're always. Yeah. You must have done something to to have this happen. Yeah, that's why all the bad things happen in the world is because I was there at this certain place in time. Yeah. That's why bad things happen. Yeah. It's such bullshit. So the examples that I'm using are um, Keith Raniere from Nexium, um, R&B, I don't want to say legend, but disgust me a little bit, like R&B known person, uh, R. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> uh, Harvey Weinstein, uh, and Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. One thing that they all also did was use other women or your peers as like a layer of protection from accusations. Because obviously he didn't do this to like all the women you worked with. Like he definitely singled you out. Yes. Yeah. And that's not just, you know, this one time and place. I would venture to guess that if you if he found you attractive enough or whatever it was that that drew him near you, even if you didn't look like his ex-wife, he probably still would have been this giant douchebag. Oh, yeah. In another way. For for sure. Yeah. It yeah. would have, like, it just would have been some other reason to, like, fuck yeah. with you, basically. Of course. Yeah, for sure. He honed in on that shit. Yeah. And then they, yeah, and then they, keep, uh, they keep friends like you who they don't pursue, and then that makes you seem less believable because, well, they didn't try it on anyone else. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they do that on purpose. That's, of course. That's one thing documented with all of all of these, the like the ones I mentioned, the yeah, most famous the heavy cases. hitters. They <laughs> Heavy hitters, yeah. They all did that. Yeah. Because they're professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing... Um, that really harkens back is that they also started being completely inappropriate early on so that it always seemed normal coming from them and it makes people think that it's just their sense of humor or something else innocuous instead of the giant red flag that it is <laughs> but yeah it's just like this the same it's all the fucking markers things isn't it? <laughs> yeah every single thing wow and they make it seem like it's such like a personal experience like it's like the one and only time that this has ever happened or like this dude has obviously been a creep for a long time I'm going to venture to guess I mean that's not the the first time for him if if he has all the markers here of these professional people yeah. I'm gonna say I would venture I would bet money that is not the first time he's done that yeah. to someone or the last probably nope unfortunately yeah that's uh that's crazy, but they they do make you feel like it's mm-hmm. not your. It's like you are the only person in the room, and you ever always have been. But yeah, yeah it's just these tools. They go this little toolbox that they yeah. keep pulling from. Actually, um, I wasn't gonna like I w- so I wasn't gonna read from this or anything. But something I wanted to mention is that there there was an actual. Like pedophiles handbook, I put out on this. Amazon there for yes. a while. Yeah, and they have they first like were like, no, we're not taking it down, and I don't even understand why you would fight that. Yeah, but they eventually took it down, of course. But 
I um I I can't remember if I like couldn't find the book or like they wanted me to buy the book. I'm like, I'm obviously not going to do no, that. No, hell no. But there were excerpts from it on a few different articles and it was it was pretty fucking gross. It does describe the same sort of manipulative behaviors. Right. It's like, you know, you're getting close to them, you make it a normal thing for them to touch you and be close to you while they say inappropriate things. Yeah. It's um it's grooming. Yeah. It's just wow. grooming. Wow. It's crazy. There's even a word for it. Uh, it's crazy that it exists, but I mean, it's a it's a whole thing. It, mm. Yeah, I don't. <sighs> and it's like I don't know who teaches these people this. It seems to be something most of them innately figure out I somehow. Think so it's like predator prey type yeah. thing. Yeah, I I won't pretend to be a psychologist or know exactly how it works. Um, all of our resources will be available on the Tumblr page, and I'm pulling from, you know, the the best names of, for organizations against sexual violence and, right. and that sort of thing. Um, so all of these people kind of figure out a way to promise you something that you want. Right. With or without words, which is which is something. So, I I don't I don't personally know how to do that to someone, but I used to go to church, so I've seen it done a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like to to make the claims like Ranieri, um, groomed through MLM programs, yeah. um, and he, you know, made wild claims of grandeur and claimed to fix people's lives. And R. Kelly used music and promised careers to young people. He also used um, women, so did Ranieri, but, like, use of women Mm -hmm. around them. Um, Some are friends, some you're fucking with. Turn them all against each other. Keep them battling so that you always have control. And then nobody believes the other victims when they come forward. There's, like, aspects of brainwashing in both of those two. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend watching the R. Kelly documentary if you can handle it. If you can't, don't. Just, like, listeners, if you can. Um, because there's a lot of there are a lot of jokes made, and I really feel like nobody got the, the real story on that. And when I oh. watched it, I kind of couldn't believe what was let happen to Aaliyah. Yeah, I like it. I was I just it just blew my fucking mind. Like nobody had, nobody really had eyes on this kid. Yeah, it's just so it, the whole story is just so fucked up. So yeah. I I recommend I recommend people watch it because this shit can't happen again. And yeah. you know we got warning signs from other musicians like Jared Leto and Drake about what they're up to. And I think we should just, like, shut this shit down as soon as possible. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean. So you don't have another little girl. It's a a way that we hold up fame and. and, Yeah. And I guess talent in quotation marks in this country is. Yeah, it's like, what, he can't be terrible because he can sing? Yeah. He's famous? Exactly. It's it's so weird. I don't know how he did it, but Keith Raniere literally just made up that he was famous and then somehow he was famous. (laughs) It's all it takes sometimes. It's so crazy. The whole story is just him making ridiculous claims after ridiculous claims about who he is until he's famous. And a lot of a lot of people have done that. 
and it seems to work. Have you ever seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place on Adult Swim? No. It's like a parody of a 1970s hospital drama. No. Oh, my God. You got to watch it because Keith Raniere reminds me of the actor who plays Garth Marenghi <laughs> so hard. Listeners, write me. Tell me if you agree. I'll have to, to check that out for sure. I love their programming. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I, I gotta see this. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Kate who works on those uh, yeah. Adult Swim programs y'all love so much. Um, she's uh, the other host under the Pendled podcast. Yep. Hi, Kate. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Listening. Um, one of the one of the other things I wanted to like point out that was also a part of the like the heavy hitters or whatever, like these douchebags, these notorious douchebags. Sounds better than heavy hitters. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, was that they like Epstein went for girls who were in poverty and who had specifically previously been abused i can't remember exactly how it went but it was like something he wanted to know about something he felt like made them more malleable to him well yeah i guess he wasn't wrong yeah and you know promises of big changes in their life and careers and stuff of course yeah but like you said i think they have a sense for like knowing when you're vulnerable yeah i do too Absolutely. That predator instinct, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that probably only takes a a couple of sentences into a conversation for them to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. The worst, like the worst kind of mirror counseling. I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's that's a nightmare. That's like a literal nightmare. Yeah, it's despicable. So in all the, all of these cases, not only are all of these men good at manipulating certain people, uh, they're extremely rich. And as you know, you can buy the benefit of the doubt in this country. Yes, you can. But also is that they mostly stayed in the gray. That You know, it's just a company. It's just his entourage. It's just how Hollywood works. It's just gag a massage. I don't yeah. know how they got away with that one. It seems like a stretch, but he is like... The richest man well, they, ever. They try to. They they spend so much money on having somebody convince us all that, uh, really, is this really a big deal? Like, come on, he's not doing anything wrong. It's not him. Clearly, clearly it's not him. Clearly, it's like women hate him. Yeah, which is always a red flag to me, when someone says that like women are when a guy says like women are out to get me and shit like yeah, that I'm like, like ooh, ooh, finger crucifix yeah. right in your face get the fuck. not today satan yeah not today in 2017 a washington post report broke that roy moore running for senate in alabama had sexually assaulted a 14 year old girl and i want to read from you from that report because i think it will sound very familiar Lee Korfman says that she was 14 years old when an older man approached her outside a courtroom in Etowah County, Alabama. She was sitting on a wooden bench with her mother. They both recall when the man introduced himself as Roy Moore. It was early 1979, and Moore, now the Republican nominee in Alabama for a U.S. Senate seat, stop off for a minute. Uh, This article is from, I think, 2017, so it was a few years back that he was running. Oh, just to clarify. 
Okay. And this, um, in 1979, he was the 32-year-old assistant district attorney for that county. And he struck up a conversation. Korfman and her mother say that he offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a child custody hearing. He said, oh, you don't want her to go in there and hear all that. I'll stay out here with her, says Korfman's mother, Nancy Wells, 71. I thought, how nice for him to want to take care of my little girl. Mm. Alone with Korfman, Moore chatted with her and asked for her phone number. Days later, she says he picked her up and around the and picked her up around the corner from her house in Gadsden, sorry, Gadsden, and drove about 30 minutes to his home in the woods. Told her how pretty she was and kissed her. And on a second visit, she says he took off her shirt and pants and removed his clothes. He touched her over her bra and underpants, she says, and guided her hand to touch him over his underwear. I wanted it over with. I wanted out, she remembers thinking. Please just get it over with. Whatever it is, just get it over. Korfman says she asked Moore to take her home, and he did. Two of Korfman's childhood friends said that she told him at the time she was seeing an older man, and one says Korfman identified the man as Moore. Well says that her daughter told her about the, enc- the encounter more than a decade later, as Moore was becoming a more prominent as a local judge. Ugh. Sorry. What? Aside from Korfman, three other women interviewed by the Washington Post in recent weeks, again, a few years ago, mm-hmm. say Moore pursued them when they were between the ages of 16 and 18. He was in his early 30s. They say they found it flattering at the time, but troubling as they got older. None of the three women say that Moore forced them into any sort of relationship or sexual context. Wow. Right? Wow. Gray area. Obvious, obvious he knows what he's doing there. Yeah. Took big advantage of that gray area. I mean... Young girls. Yeah. Ugh. God. And this is the kind of lurking that allows them to continue their behavior. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like, attaboy! Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, things are changing now, thankfully, but... You know, in different pockets of of the world. I hope so. It's not going to change. One of the comments about this and other historical atrocities I've heard is that they were adults by 14 back then. And I've heard this statement many times, and to be honest, it always makes me sick. Somehow we consider a 14-year-old person to be an adult in the past because they lived shorter lives, knew less about bodies and power dynamics, than 14-year-olds now, but they got married and had kids, so, you know, they must be adults. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. Um, I don't think having less of a chance to grow old or a less, like, a less long childhood gives one the mind of an adult. Uh, Just because it was normal doesn't mean it wasn't harmful, so. Yeah, I I mean, I mean, remember feeling like, well, I'm 17, I'm practically adult, why, why would, what's wrong with that? Yeah. It's just like you're on an even playing field with another 17-year-old. Right. Not with someone who's like decades older. No. They know exactly why they're there. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a mind fuck, man. And just because this will sit in my mind if I don't say this forever, um, it'll sit in my mind forever if I don't like bring up cultural relativity. It's uh, It's very different to be 
culturally an adult than it is to be emotionally adult. And we are Mm -hmm. discussing largely American trends, and I'll leave it up to everyone else to decide, um, listeners to decide what does and does not apply to them in this case. Right. Because there's a lot of cultures where people get married really young and stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's just kind of not my place to talk about it when it's not my culture. However, (laughs) uh, the far-right religious culture, like people here in America also tend to try to marry off their kids really young and yeah. and use young marriage, like underage marriage to an older person to cover up uh, something like that because it's shameful to the family. So yeah. we, we like that, I'll say that's a thing that happened yeah. that I know about. Here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right in different cultures that things are certainly very different, but like emotional maturity in my experience with, you know, friends, myself family and all that uh certainly is not it's not it's not like a magic wand that you wave yeah and you have it doesn't just happen you, at 18 no no yeah. takes it takes a long time longer for some shorter for others yeah so um i did bring up the the far right views i'm not going to specifically point out any certain sect but i will point out a couple of things here that I think are really disturbing. Yeah. Um, Submission to the will of men and virginity purity culture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people think that it's like cutesy at at surface level. But, you know, it's very harmful to young people trying to find themselves to be constantly told that anything like sexual thoughts or desires or anything is just like shameful. It's inherently shameful. It's horrible. It, it's, it's, uh, it fucks you up forever. Yeah, it fucks you up forever. forever. Uh, purity balls and the rings and the promises are all very disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in some uh, sect of American Christians, it's not uncommon to pledge one's virginity to one's father. Yes, I've which heard is of this. just gross. Like, what the fuck are we doing? And I get it. Like, I, I, I know the ways of the church. They believe your father is, is, the head of the household and God's representative, and to dictate your whole life. And all of that is pretty soul crushing to a lot of women. And I, yeah. And I, I don't think it's a really good thing to press on to uh, young people. No, I think it's uh, it's values coming from an archaic text that people still carry on trying to take literally. You know, like we were talking about earlier with, with old laws that still somehow like span into rulings that we make now for certain things. and But it, it doesn't really apply yeah. anymore. Yeah. And I think this is the case. Yeah, I think a long time ago, it may have happened to, like, of course, there's always been controlling men, but I think it's, sure. you know, it's also like some, like, maybe a dad's way of trying to make sure his daughter doesn't end up with some douchebag. Yeah. But then it's just really fucking weird and creepy to, you know, make your whole, your daughter's, even their sexual life, like their whole life has to be about your permission like yeah, your permission to do these things I should really have nothing up. to do with you as a, as a dad <laughs> like yeah. i mean you can try to look out for her and make her and and urge her to make 
right decisions for herself, but... But ultimately, they are their own person. Right. And you're just, like, manipulating them. Yeah. And you might... I, I know the culture and I know that so many of these dads like they just want to protect their daughters yeah and then some of them are you know out like outright creeps like Trump right but I mean you there are other ways you can do this yeah right (laughs) there are a lot of other ways a lot of other ways and it just seems like a fear-mongering type of yeah (laughs) I don't think I don't think that most like most Christians I've ever met really understand the the power dynamics of gender roles in Christianity either and like why it's set up the way it is I don't think that's a that's a thing most of them have really thought about no no they haven't I want to say boys don't pledge their virginity just girls just to be clear listeners yep but there's hot equally destructive things about perceiving the purity of girls or themselves uh enter Donald Trump again Mm -hmm. regardless of how you feel about him he has made his own case in the public eye for why he's a predator from the treatment of his wife to his daughters to his friendship with jeffrey epstein to his very own comments from his very own mouth and i don't think that anyone has done more to publicly test the waters as he has and so far he's gotten away with it It and that fucking bothers me to no end how i i'm still just like how 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 are we not seeing this people like how are you defending this i mean it was just a perfect just a perfect little bow on top of what we're talking about yeah like the acceptance of this behavior as widespread as a fucking culture yep i feel like what he does it it's almost like he's trying to groom america for something worse yeah and we keep coming back to like there's still people running around thinking he's going to be reinstated i know we did have a coup is there something worse coming like it makes it makes me it gives me a lot of nervous feelings to think about because he just keeps getting away with whatever it is that he wants he's he's still doing tours and it looks like he may run again next term i can't I can't even believe it. And, like, I don't know if you've ever gone on Fox News and read comments on articles. I do. Like, regular CBS ones are terrible enough. Like, yeah. Fox News is... Is a dumpster fire? Horrible. It's just... It's a head-slapping marathon when you go and read these comments. Just like, what? And, like, a lot of the things that they're saying is like, oh, well, you know, he's... We're going to make sure that he's the clear nominee when that time comes, you know, 2024 election. That's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And I, I want to believe that they're all just kind of to, to who they are to make this work. But when you think about how good the Tea Party was at organizing and they've, oh God, they put in the work. Yeah. And they flip the seats and it's kind of terrifying what they're able to do yeah so like he might i know and it wouldn't I, be the most surprising thing I'm, that's happened in the last few years i'm i'm uh somewhat bracing myself for that you know he might he might come into office again I, it's like it's the most absurd thing 
But you're right. It could absolutely happen because these are the most absurd times. Yeah. Well, I thought it was ridiculous the first time until the results came in. I couldn't. Yeah. I was like, surely this is a joke. This is surely this this he can't win. He's not qualified. Yeah. You're like you're watching the news and you're like, this is not the Colbert Report. What? No, what's I happening? Know. Like he's made all these comments about women. We've all heard them. Yeah. The. Making fun of the disabled man yeah. and his... Um, How he survived that, I don't even know. I remember... Who was it? The 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 guy who ran uh, a few years back, it was... I think it was for Obama. And he, he all he did was be like, we're going to this state, and then this state, and then this state, and we're oh, going to yeah. win. Woo! And they uh, were like, Dean. no. Howard Dean. Howard Dean, yeah. yeah. And was that it? was enough to get him, like, nobody ever wanted to see know, Howard Dean again. That seems so cute now, doesn't I know. It? I didn't he really understand why that was a big deal back then, even. No, it was like, he's so excited to be know, here. You think up. you would like that? And they all just made fun of him. It's, and then, like, this douchebag just parades around doing whatever he wants. And I'm just like, this happened in my lifetime. This is... Yeah, that's um, wild. Like, I can't... I can't even. I don't even know. So, to hear some of the less enlightened men talk, you would think that false rape claims and punishments are happening all of the time. Everywhere you look. Every street corner. There's a man whose life has been stolen by a false rape claim. Yes. But in reality, our culture of blaming the victim has led to a lot of underreporting. Yeah. And I want to briefly read to you from a report from the National Sexual Violence Research Center, whose, uh, and this report will be on our Tumblr page. Incorrect ideas about rape, known as rape myths, are culturally ingrained. Determining whether rapes are real is intensely entangled in rape myths that blame victims, excuse rapists, and erroneously support the false rape claims. Are a com- that false rape claims are a common problem. Yeah. It goes on to say that problems occur from beginning to end of the process from the definition to who enforces it. It says that the FBI and regular police report things differently and neither have to follow like the same guidelines. Mm-hmm. It concludes, research shows that rates of false reporting are frequently inflated in part because of inconsistent definitions and protocols or a weak understanding of sexual assault. Misconceptions about false reporting or false reporting rates have direct negative consequences and can contribute to why many victims don't report sexual assaults. To improve the response to victims of sexual violence, Law enforcement and service providers need a thorough understanding of sexual violence and consistency in their definitions, policies, and procedures. They list source on the report for studies uh, that are done on the false claims by women of sexual violence, like take so many cases and study them. Yeah. And one of these studies points out that the claims that are considered false are between 2 and 10% but these aren't found to be outright lies. They just lack evidence. So once again, um, this leaves a perpetrator with the knowledge that keeping their assaults in these gray areas 
limiting evidence, et cetera, keeps them out and about in doing more of these crimes. So what this study kind of proves is just what we're all terrified of yeah. is that it will just come back on you as as like you're lying right when all it really is is that you can't prove it yeah yeah that's bleak very bleak um there's a lot of reports that just like nothing happens nothing happens at all like so many yeah un like untested rape kits and all of that it's ju- it's just very it's sad because of how slacking we are on these things and i don't know if it's just because the system doesn't care or it's because the people who work on this probably get very traumatized and burnt out very easily right i would imagine we go through svu if that's a thing like i imagine it we go through those officers very quickly I yeah. can't imagine that you'd stay. You'd be able to stay in that line of work. That takes a. They actually, yeah, they don't. Whew. They don't want to keep you there too long. Um, I listened to this podcast called uh, "Small Town Dicks," <laughs> and it's um, all about small town cops. That's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's from their perspective, and it's honestly really kind of. I don't know. It, it's been good for kind of getting the other side's perspective because usually you know when we see coverage of crimes it's from like the vic the victims or the the criminals viewpoint but it's rarely from the cops viewpoint and if it is it's one of those weird shows like cops is pretty exploitive yeah it is cops and the the criminals and stuff yeah there was another one out of oklahoma i can't remember what it's called i think it was like pd or something oh live pd or something Yeah. yeah Yeah, but I mean, they they do talk about how they try to sort of not keep you in like um, child abuse and sex crimes units for too long because it because you'll end up a vigilante or you'll (laughs) end up like you do get burnout and it's very emotionally taxing yeah and you know the the police system is notorious for not providing enough mental health help for. For their own? Yes. Yeah. Um, just a lot of cop suicides and things like that because of of all these factors. Jesus. Yeah. They don't they they're just sent home for a little bit and then they have to go or either they're not sent home at all and they have to go right on to the next call after seeing some of the most horrific shit that they've ever seen in their life. It's just the job. Yeah. Those are those are two of the big ironies of like patriotism and conservatism it's like they're like support our troops and then they defund VA hospitals and they let veterans die on the street yeah they're like support the police and like don't give the police any of the tools they need to do their jobs well right (laughs) or recover like you're saying like I would imagine that just being a cop would be a job where you're required to see a psychologist because of the you fucked should. up nature of the job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they see things that we couldn't even dream of seeing in real life as normal civilians. And you expect them to be normal people somehow. Right, expect them not to be burnt out, expect them not to, I don't know, be like dicks to, yeah. to the general public. Yeah, and it makes sense that, um, like, the guys who stay on and are successful 
really honed for being they got dicks. it yeah yeah it's yeah. like they already have probably trauma or something but like it you know they don't drop out they just get meaner yeah you know? i mean i heard it explained in one instance they were i don't remember the exact details of the cases but it was something like uh there was a call for like um a, a child that had died at the home i don't remember if it was an abuse situation or an accident and um so they wrapped up that crime scene and then they got a call to go to a person's house like across town that was having an argument over an xbox controller with their family member (laughs) and like how (laughs) and how that will make you jaded like having to see that kind of thing and go deal with the pettiest shit yeah on the flip side it's gotta be a mind (laughs) yeah that's why, you know, part of defund the police is about giving social workers more, like having more social workers on hand to deal with yeah. things um, like something petty like that. Right. I would sentence that family to court ordered counseling for wasting the police's time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like a controller. Oh, my God. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, it definitely has changed my mind a little bit on you know, cops' dispositions and, like, how they get there and how how their line of work can kind of inform. Yeah, the more the picture you get, it's, like, these unions kind of, like, fuck them over as much as they kind of protect them. Yeah. Because they're only protecting the guys who do really horrible shit. Yeah. And then the other guy who's just, like, needs to talk to somebody because of all the terrible cases he just worked on. Ah, eh, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a weird backwards fucking line of work, man. For sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, we'll just wrap this up a little bit. Just mm-hmm. bring home a few points. Um, for generations, we've been made to be quiet and polite and feel ashamed about these things happening to us. About being for lack of a better word, dicked around. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, this is kind of sad, but like an example from my own life, um, when I finally told my mom about like being assaulted as a kid, she cried for days because she realized that it had not just happened to me, it happened to my sister, it happened to her, it happened to like one of her sisters. It's just like, oh, it's so many of us. Yeah. Like at, at a certain point, this has to come come to come out for yeah. our own good there there is good news um from rain which is a website that will be listed also uh, has some trends like statistics on sexual assault and i think because we're we're more open about it yeah um and we tolerate much less victim blaming now the reported sexual assaults have declined since 1993 there could be other reasons for that very state for state you know take that with a grain of salt but well that is that is good it feels like it's a good thing it's a little i think it's a little i hope it's a little bit of a good thing yeah that's for sure but uh, i do think that if that is the reason then we just need to keep talking about it until no one thinks that this is normal anymore yeah that, that that when you hear about this it's just like you're enraged 
Like this yeah, shouldn't should be upsetting. like, well, you know, that happened to like my sister, my cousin, my like, oh, this is kind of everything. Everybody's been me too'd. Yes. As something I heard somebody say and I wanted to rip their he- head off. Yeah. I felt physically violent and I had to restrain myself. Yep. They're a product of this fucking society. Yeah. It's like we can't make this a normal thing anymore. No. Part of it is we've got to talk about this like it is the, the terrible thing that it is and call them out in these gray areas. Define these things more properly so it's so much less likely that they're able to manipulate others yeah at least you know teach the warning signs or you know let girls know like how or girls and boys like how these people operate and like you like we were discussing earlier there are certain markers and different things that they all do so yep there are definitely a few more than a few things that overlap on these for sure yeah we need to be teaching that shit in school man Mm -hmm. like it goes far beyond don't take candy from strangers or don't accept rides from people you don't know yeah that's it's like don't get left alone in a room with like you know your dad's best friend or your your mother's brother or like you know the neighbor like you oh you just can't ever trust anyone again yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a better plan than we just talk about this and make it something right. no one can get away with. Exactly. Yeah. We need to teach teach younger kids about these things and the dangers. Yes. Um, the statistics say that is one in three women and girls will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime, and the same goes one in four for boys. It's way underreported and even less underreported for boys. Um, someone I know won't say how or who or anything like that, but once told me a story when they were, they said, I think they said they were about eight or nine and they were, they had a nanny or like a babysitter and she tried to have sex with them. And the whole time he felt shame about not being able to, like he's eight, he doesn't have a properly working penis. So that's his stress. Yeah. about this is that he can't do it because he's not like any like freaks him out and stuff not that you know this predatory older woman is trying to fuck me and I'm a child because we also do you know we do terrible things little boys minds on this too oh my god like oh you're slamming it at nine you yeah. must be so oh, cool you're, you're banging the teacher that's so yeah. awesome no girl. it's fucking gross no. it's pedophilia and it fucks with them too as yeah, much yeah. as they like to s- to pretend that it doesn't yeah so it's very underreported there um and i just want to end with this tidbit because it's one of those things that like chirps in my mind late at night and makes me angry so the world's gonna know because that's what you do with a podcast that's right (laughs) (laughs) um hannibal burris the same guy who got cosby caught also has a joke about how you shouldn't go out with women who quote rape stats Bum 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 b